thought was, as I prepared this message, is how much, how many Valentines will go from the Church of the Living God, you know, like in the world, the world is going to celebrate their love. And that love is such a temporal love. And sometimes it's an unfailing love. But we have the love of God that is unfailing, it's not temporal, and it's everlasting. And I just, you know, in my mind as I prepared this and and prayed before the Lord, I could just see the hearts, you know, going from the church of God to Jesus and to God and loving him. And I think that in everything we do, if we buy a Valentine card, and I trust that you will show your love to those you love. But when you buy that, you will be thinking, Lord, I'm sending a Valentine to you because he is the greatest love of our life. The greatest love that's not temporal and doesn't fail. So as we continue in this meditation, in the contemplation, I'm using these big words which I had to look up to understand. But meditation, contemplation, muse, ponder, consider, these are all words that cause us to have a deep mental thought. You know, today it, our, our society is so surface. And God is speaking to my heart to, uh, to inspire the church, to, to inspire his people, to have a love that is deeper than the things of this world. And as this Valentine season approaches, and we know that the greatest Valentine is ours. Sometimes singles think, well, I just hate this season. I just hate to have this Valentine season come around, you know. But we have a love. We all have a love. And it is God. And it is Christ. And he loved us so much that he gave his life for us. So we are not alone in this season of love. And it, it would take a unique love for a father to give his son to die. I mean, any one of us, do we want to give our child as a sacrifice to die? Now, even in our own lives, do we want to die for someone we love? And when we think about that, we think, well, maybe there is someone in our life that we love severely enough to die for. But when you think about dying for the unlovely, the evil, the criminal, the, the, the one who is uh, filled with demonic forces. And when you think about those kinds of things in our society, and, the, and then you think about dying for them. Don't even know their name. You know, but the thing, it is, thing of it is, is that God knows us. And it's a powerful thing today as we come and think about the love of Jesus. And Jesus said these words. He said, Greater love hath no man than a man would lay down his life for his friends. Think about that. With love, there is sacrifice. With love, there is sometimes uh, doing things that you don't want to do because you love an individual and you, and you flow with the tide. But how it is with God is God flows with us. How many know that? How many know the times that we disappoint him or we fall short of his glory or we don't hear his voice or we don't respond to him and yet he loves us and some of us got secrets in our lives that God has forgiven us about and has been passed into the sea of forgetfulness and God loves us how many know that is that not awesome so we know that we are uh, his people 
because he loves us. And we can't, I can't talk about that enough. You know, you're born again. You know God loves you. You know when things get bad, you say, God, where are you? And you want him to come close. He has spoken to us today and, and, and told us that he loves us and he desires us to draw near to him and that he loves us more than we can even imagine. And you know what, church? It's hard today to talk about love. It truly is because the world is filled with all sorts of love. You know, they love everything. And so it's easy to say, I, oh, I love, I love a T-bone. Because <laughs> I do. <laughs> you know, and we say that because we want to show emotion. But then how is it that we show emotion when we say, Lord Jesus, I love you. And Father God, I love you. And Holy Spirit, I love you. You know, we have to turn around and come into a pondering, a meditation, a contemplation and consider the power of God's love that changed us from a sinner to a savior, to a saved person by a savior. And when we ponder and consider the love of Christ for us, we find that there's no prejudice in him. How many know, and and this is just a, a day of truth. But we can look across the sanctuary and we can say, oh, I love that person. Oh, I like that person. That person made me mad last week. How many know what I'm talking about? You see, but God isn't prejudiced. You know, I I could have messed up terrible last week, but guess what? He still loves me. And And he forgives me. And he continues to let his saving blood flow upon my life. And, and, and in our flesh, we're prejudiced. Let's just be honest. You know, we like some people more than we like other people. We love people. We have endearing thoughts and fondness for some people. And some people, we just go, well, I have to love them. You know, does the church know what I'm talking about this morning? See, but God's love is not like that. God's love says, I see your failure. And I see the bad attitude you had in your heart today. And I see these things in you, but I still love you. You're still my one and only I died for. How awesome is the love of God. He died for all humanity without prejudice. He is the righteous son of God. His love speaks volumes to us today. And in this holy season of Lent, you know, I I sound like a broken record, but we are going to do something special. We are going to, to uh, celebrate Lent with an abstinence. We're going to put something down that we do in our life that we don't like, and we're going to get rid of it. Because I promise you, if you will practice it for 40 days, it will change. It only takes 21 days to change a habit in our life. But the enemy works overtime to rob us of that victory in Christ. So this is a season that we're going to show our love. Our valentine to God is, Lord, I want to abstain from this little idiosyncrasy in my life. And I want to take on more of you. I want to take on more word. I want to take on more witnessing. You know, something that you need to take on and everyone knows. Maybe it's more prayer. Maybe it's more reading of the Bible. Maybe it's more faithfulness. But as we take off something that displeases God... Let us put on something that glorifies God. And so this is our valentine to God, to render unto him uh, something that would please his heart. John 16, John 10, 
Jesus says, and these are his words. I wanted you to hear from his heart today. He says, I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep. Isn't that wonderful? He knows us. He knows where we are. He knows our shortcomings. He knows our strengths. He knows how we love him. He knows the depth of love that we have. He says, I know my sheep. How many are his sheep today? Yes, he knows you. And he says, my, I know my sheep and I lay down my life for my sheep. And he goes on to say, you know, my father loves me because I lay down my life for the sheep. I mean, we're talking about a dual love here. The love of the father and the love of the son and the, and the promise of the Holy Spirit that will bring that love within our being. What a, what a comforting thought to know that Jesus knows us and that he would lay down his life for us. You know, at the communion table, Jesus lovingly shared the emblems of his body and his blood with his disciples. And we partake of that all the time around here. And he knew that when he shared his body and his blood, he knew that there was a denier partaking of it. He knew there was a betrayer partaking of it. But he was not prejudiced toward them. He gave them the emblems of his body and his blood, and he loved them. And he said, I give unto you a new commandment that you love one another. Now, they knew who they were. They knew they were sons of thunder. They knew they were a betrayer. They knew, oh, Peter, robust Peter, I'll never deny you. They knew who they were. They also knew that Jesus loved them. And he gave of himself to them. Thus he does to us today. With great humility, Jesus knelt in front of them and showed them what a humbling situation is. I don't know if you've ever did foot washing, but it is humbling situation. And Jesus knelt before them. Whoever they were, whatever they were, how unrighteous they were, he knelt before them. He washed their feet. And then he lovingly said to them, a new commandment I give unto you that you would love one another. Before we can love God justly, we have to love one another. And we have to mean it when we say we love one another. We have to love one another with all of the prejudice. We have to love one another with all the shortcomings and the faults. We have to love one another no matter the circumstances. And John 13 34, Jesus said these words, I'm giving you his valentine to you today in hopes that you will consider his great love and, and reciprocate that kind of love back to him. John 13:34. he says, a new commandment I give unto you. And watch this in these two verses, three times he says we are to love one another. He says, I give you this new commandment that you love one another as how I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this shall all men know that you're my disciples. How? If you love one another. You know, this is challenging, church. I don't want to sit up here and tell you this is what we got to do because I feel as challenged as you. Because there's people in our lives that we love more than other people. How many know what I'm talking about? 
somebody hurt you in your life, you have to say you love them because you're a Christian, but you know and I know that we don't love them with too much depth. And God is dealing with the church today. He's dealing with our love. And he says, love one another three times in these two verses. And how shall we do it? Like he loves us. That means we have to love the unforgiving. We have to love the one that hurt us. We have to love the one that just did despicable things against us. We have to love them. Because we have to love them like God loves us. You know, when you have a difficult time trying to love someone or forgive someone, you just need to look back in your life and see the things that God has forgiven you for and that God loves you through, and that will help you to have his kind of love toward one another. In the scripture, you know, we find out what is the greatest commandment. Is the greatest commandment go and sin no more? What is the greatest commandment? Love God. That's the greatest commandment. Mark twelve thirty. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul. Now, the soul is the seat of your affections. That's your desires, what you like and what you shouldn't like. You're supposed to love him with all of your soul and all of your mind and all of your strength. And it says this is the first commandment. And look at verse 31. And the second commandment is that you're to love your neighbor. Love one another again, right? And then look how that scripture ends. There is none other commandment greater than this. This is the greatest commandment at all. Somebody once said to me, well, if I just knew all the Bible, I could please God. I said, you only need to do one thing. And that's to love the Lord with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your spirit. Because listen, church, unless we have a pastor that will break that down and say, with your heart, you know, with your soul, the seed of your affections, all those desires that you have that maybe you shouldn't have, you need to love God with them. And with your mind, how many know that mind is where it all starts? We get a sickness and then our mind tells us that it's going to be worse, you know, and Somebody looks at us wrong and our mind says, oh, they don't like me. How how many know that? Those thoughts is where the enemy robs us of the power and the love that God has for us. And then with our strength, with our strength, with our strength, I can't understand what that means. I'm not very strong. What does that mean? That means we have a love that is not weakened by our circumstances. That we have a love for God that can withstand the test of time. How many know we're supposed to move from glory to glory? We do that from tribulation to tribulation. We don't like to talk about that. We love the fruit of the Spirit when we say love and joy and peace. We kind of diminish that when it comes to long-suffering. Our society today has just weakened the true meaning of love. You know, we need to ponder love, the meaning, the depth. We need to consider God's love and the fact that his love came with the sacrifice of his life. I know you know this, but sometimes we just need to stop and think, did you hear what the Spirit said to us today? He loves us. He just wants us to draw near. He just wants us to appreciate 
and love him the way he loves us. And to ponder means to, to deeply think. And to consider means about pretty much the same thing, only it means to consider to the point that the thought uh, owns us. That when we think of the depth of the love of God, that it owns us. And that we own the love of God and that, that we don't transgress against Him because of His love for us. You know that if you truly love somebody, you'll go out of your way for them. Amen? And if you truly love someone, you'll do things you don't want to do, but because you love them, you'll do it. We're supposed to anyhow. And how many know that we put up with things because we love someone? Because we're attached. There's a relationship. Consider means to muse, to think about it, to, uh, to, the extent, to the extent that thinking about God's love absorbs your mind and absorbs your heart. Consider means to think carefully in order to make a decision. This is perfect for today because we need to make a decision for Lenten discipline. And we need to make a decision to take on something that will cause spiritual growth in our life. Now, church, the flesh that we live in has become complacent because the flesh came to the altar, gave its heart to Christ, and then we feel satisfied. But there is responsibilities in that salvation. And that is to love God, to walk like God, to follow God's example, to live like him to the best of our ability and to think about the power of his love. You can turn the tide by love better than you can turn it by disagreeing. Maybe I should say that again. You know, sometimes we can turn the tide by a loving response, by a soft word. Instead of something critical and angry. Um, To consider means to believe. Means I believe this. I'm considering God's love and I believe this. It it means to, to bear in mind and give attention to. So the message today is about giving attention to God's love in our life. The message of love. Let's look at John 15. You know, as we're pondering and considering the love of God, the love of our Savior and his command to to love him. Look at John 15 at the eighth verse. And this is Jesus speaking. Everything I want to say today is his valentine, his love to you. And he says, herein is my father glorified that you bear much fruit. So shall you be my disciples. How many know that love is a fruit of the Spirit? It's the first fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, and peace. The way it goes. So Jesus said these words. He said to us, he said, My Father is glorified if you will bear fruit and look like my disciple, act like my disciple, love like my disciple. He said, My Father is glorified. Now, church, sometimes we think, well, I do this for Jesus. But whatever we do for Jesus glorifies him before the Father. That's as important because this is the whole journey of Christ, that he would come and glorify his Father. Now, the scripture goes on to say, in the ninth verse, As the Father hath loved me, 
Now Jesus is going to talk to us about how his father loves him. Remember that the same father that loved him is the same father that asked him to die for you and I. So he says, as the father has loved me, so have I loved you. I love you like that. Continue ye in my love. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love. And even as I have kept my father's commandments and I abide in his love. You know, and if we abide in his love, the next verse tells us what will happen. These things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. Now, church, if we are really real, we know that we don't always have the joy that we should have. In every circumstance of our life, we are to have the joy of the Lord. Now, not the joy that makes us feel good, because that's not the kind of joy it is. Jesus gave, had joy in his heart as he went to the cross. Does the church know that? It says, but for the joy that was set before him, he went to the cross and he endured the shame and the reproach, and the pain, and the persecution, and the death, because there was a joy of God in his heart. And we as Christians, we need to have the joy of the Lord restored in us so that people don't hear all of our critical remarks, and people don't hear all of the things that we don't like, but people hear the joy of the Lord in our spirit, that there's something in us that's different than the world, that the world is at the water you know, keg griping and complaining and upset and sick and all those things. But that the saints are at the water pot saying, I am happy and I rejoice in the Lord. Yes, I had surgery last week, but I'm feeling good because God brought me through it. Yes, I hate this cut in my salary, but the Lord is my substance. You know, these are the things that we need to do to show our love for God, that we trust Him. That we don't worry, that we don't fret, that we don't stew, but that our hope and our joy and our faith and our substance is in Him. As a father loved me, Jesus said, so I love you. Well, as the father loved Christ, he required of Christ a sacrifice. So, as Jesus loves us, as a father loved Him, there needs to be some sacrifice in our life. Well, I didn't feel like going to church today. Well, I'm going to get up and go anyhow. Well, I didn't feel like giving my tithe because the utility bill was twice as high this week. So I just can't. No, I'm going to do what it is that glorifies God. Because then we are showing our trust. Then we're showing our faith. Then we're showing we believe what we say, that we love God more than we love the things of this world. Well, dare I reflect on the old days. We don't like to do that, but, you know, there was a fear of God upon the saints in the old days. I'm old, so I can say that, you know. They considered what they did. They considered where they went. They considered what they wore. They were instant in season. They were faithful. They cared for the flock of God, and whatever was needed, they were there. Does anybody know those old saints? Some of them were our parents. My mama was not into the, to the bun on her head or the long sleeves or, or no slacks. She, she was into the love of Jesus and to honor him in all things and to put that in us. And it's called conviction, church. We need the power of the Holy Ghost 
um, to be stirred within us so that we have conviction. Conviction for what we do. I don't think we should have to have a pastor write forth a list and say, you got to wear this or you can't do this or you can't go there. You shouldn't do this. You know, that's the old days. The new days is that we've been set free by the power of the Holy Ghost and we can hear what the Spirit is saying to us. And if God says don't do it to us, we don't do it. It might not be on your list, but it might be on my list. Because God is dealing with me in a personal way. And he's dealing with you in a personal way. You know, and we need to have conviction in our life. We need to get up and walk away when the television starts to have nudity and cursing and things that are against God. We need to be able to have a conviction. Now, I'm not saying throw the TV out. I'm saying have a conviction. The fruit that glorifies God is love. And when you love him, you don't want to do things that displease him. And we need to have that stirred by the power of the Holy Ghost. We need to stir up the Holy Ghost in us. We need to, if we have the heavenly language, we need to get it working. If we don't have it, come see Phyllis and she'll see that you get it. If you don't, if you're not filled with the Holy Ghost and you don't have the heavenly language, we want to share that. We want to impart it to you. We want you to have that heavenly language that will give you power to overcome and will give you a conviction in your spirit that you can glorify God. It isn't in a list of the church regulations. You join some churches and they give you a church of regulations. It's not in that. It's in loving God. It's having a heart for God. It's wanting to please Him. And how you please Him is different how somebody else pleases Him. Because he deals with us specifically. He died for us one by one, name by name. He died for us because he loved us. The Holy Ghost is a companion to faith and to prayer and to love and to mercy. So when you become filled with the Holy Spirit, it energizes your faith. It energizes mercy in you, makes you merciful. It energizes in you love and it energizes in you prayer. And you find that you're praying more than you were. You find out that all of a sudden you're saying, Jesus, Jesus, just because. Second Timothy 1, 7, it says, For God hath not given the spirit of fear, but he has given us power of love and a sound mind. You know, church, we, can, we know this. We can quote this. But how often does fear override the love and the trust and the faith that we have in our heart toward God? Uh, This is not a condemning message. It's just to stir up the power of the Holy Ghost in us to, to cause us to shake ourselves just a little and let the Holy Ghost be enlightened within us and ignited within us and stop thinking, well, I'll give this up tomorrow. I'll give this up next year but think i need to give this up now i need to stop this now i need to take on i need to read my bible i need to pray i need to get involved i need to be faithful i need to be a witness on the job i need to stop laughing at their filthy jokes and say i don't like that i need to take a stand for christ i need to be a witness of his power and his love that's in me let us consider jesus love let us think carefully in order to make a decision for this holy season. Do you believe in what you're doing? You know, if you're, not, if you're just doing it because it's t- tossed out there, it's not important. But you must believe 
Lord, I want to do this for you. I want to I want to empower your love in me. I want to empower your joy in me. I want to empower your conviction in me. I want to do this for you. Take on more of his word in the season, no matter what. First John two, five says. Whoso keepeth his word in him. Verily is the love of God perfected. See, church, now probably your mate or your friend that knows you well can say you need to perfect this love. You know what I'm saying? Oh, it's quiet. You know, we are easy. It's easy for me to say, dear one, you need to perfect that in you. But to perfect that in you, I need to perfect it in me. And how can we perfect the love of God? Well, here's how. Whoso keepeth his word in him, verily is the love of God, what? Perfected. You know, hereby know we that we are in him. See, saints, we need more of the word of God. Wherever you are in your fill-up tank with the Word of God, you need more. There's nobody that's tank is running over. But wherever our tank is, we need to put some more into it. Because when we do that, it perfects God's love. Because, see, then the Holy Spirit can convict us and come to us and say, Don't do that. Don't go there. Don't say that. Don't be like that. Because the Word of God is the convicting agent that stirs the Holy Ghost to illuminate His Word in our life. I can't tell the church enough in all these years to have the Word of God in you. It's not necessarily to follow a preacher. It's to follow the Word of God and to fill yourself with the Word of God. The only way that you can eradicate a habit is to fill yourself with the Word of God. The only way that you can take on a new dimension in your spiritual life, reading more, praying more, you know, speaking in tongues more, the only way you can do that is to fill yourself with the Word of God. 1 John 4, 8, again, Jesus reminds us. It tells us that God is love. And verse 9 says, He manifested His love toward us. Because he sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. This is talking about God's love. Okay. Jesus' love sacrificed his life, laid down his life for us, gave his life for us, poured out his, his blood for us. That's what Jesus did. And God loved us before that. And God asked Jesus to do that for us. And so when we speak about God's love, it says he manifested his love, God's love. Toward us because he sent Jesus. That's how he manifested his love. And why? That we might live through him. I want to say to you today that Christians are not, Christians at large are not really living. You know, they go to church, they pay their tithes, but they're not living. They're not excited about life. They're not appreciative of life. Everything is humdrum. And they get all raised up on Sunday. And then by Thursday, you know, it's all drained out and it's, it's, it's ho-hum. But I want to say to you today that, that the, 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 word, the Word of God is in us. It perfects our love and it strengthens us and it gives us life. 
and we are joyful no matter the circumstances. No matter the circumstances does not dictate to us. Only the righteousness of God is what dictates to us. And it says here that he sent this, his son, the love of God did this, that we might live. And verse 10 says, herein is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the perpetuation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought what? Love one another. Now, this word perpetuation, big word. It means, this is what it means. It means to bring us back from the sin of Adam to the favor of God. Because of Adam's sin, humanity lost favor with God. Now, Jesus became the perpetuation that would bring us back and reconcile us to Father God. Heal the sin issue in our lives. Does the church understand that? He reconciled us back. Love in our world is not perfect, church. Love in relationships are not perfect. But God is perfect. God is perfect. And if we seek to walk in God's love, it will, it will affect our love relationships in this world. 1 John 4.16 says, And we, we have known and believed the love that God has towards us. Now, I have to stop there, church, and ask, do you know that God loves you? He spoke to us three times this morning of his love for us. Now, if you've been in this church very long, you know that we don't often have three people giving a word from God. So God is speaking to the church today that he loves us. And some of you might consider the circumstance that you're in and say, how can he love me in this circumstance? You know, I... But he loves us because his love is perfect. And he says, we have known and believed the love of God. And so in your circumstances, you have to believe that he loves you. And he will, he will do his will toward you and perform his will. The scripture goes on to say that God is love. And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God and God in him. This makes us just stop with a sila there and think about God's love in our life. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in the world. Because there's no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear is tormenting. But he that feareth is not made perfect in love. We love him. Because he first loved us. Let me say this to the church this morning that we are tempted to fear. We are tempted to fear. And fear crosses our path probably daily. But we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. And we don't care about our life. I mean, that's the last part of the scripture. They love not their lives unto the dead. This is the kind of love that God is asking for. So I'm asking the church this morning to ponder and to consider these passages of love that God has given to us, the passages of God, the passages of his Savior, to try to think more deeply, get out of the surface mode and get into the depth of your thought processes and let the church think on this. This is my commandment, that you love one another. 
as I have loved you. When I think about my life, and I think about the times that Jesus has loved me through crisis and disobedience, and I think then of that love that embraced me, and he still put me in his, in his work and uses me for his glory, then I'm reminded that I need to perfect my love toward others. And I need to understand and comprehend that the love of God surpasses all disappointments. It's important, church. Now, uh, in closing this morning, I have two things I want to read to you. First is 1 Corinthians 13, 4 and 8. We read this already. It had words like charity, envieth, vaunteth, provoketh. Um, those kinds of words in it. Now, you, you probably are there, and I'm going to read to you for the first time from this pulpit <laughs> from the Jewish Bible. Love is patient and kind. I'm just doing this because I want you to understand it. 1 Corinthians 13:4. Now, it'll change a little bit because I want you to see it there in the truth in the word. But I just want to read it to you in a simple fashion. Love is patient. And I heard a lot of ouches. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous. It's not boastful. Love is not proud, rude, or selfish. I see you looking at each other. What is she reading? Yes, that's right. You're reading King James, and I'm reading a paraphrase. See how much it's different? Okay, are we all there? I'm just doing this because I wanted to hear it in a clear fashion. This is a first for me. Okay, now where were we? Love is not proud, rude, or selfish. Love is not easily angered. It does not demand its own way. Love is not irritable. It does not keep any record of wrong. Oh, I remember when you did that to me in 1942. Now, that's only me. I know you guys don't do that. Love does not gloat over other people's sins, but rejoices in truth. Love never gives up. Love never loses faith. Love always is hopeful. And love always endures through every circumstance. Love always trusts. Love always hopes. Love always endures. And love never ends. It's all written there in the King James. And you just got to go to your dictionary and check out those words. But in in simple fashion, it says a lot, doesn't it? I mean, all those things, I failed them all last week, I'm sure. And we have to work at this, church. We're all a work in progress, amen? Amen. We're all a work in progress, yes? Phyllis has a copy in her office if you want a copy of it, just to be reminded. But this was excerpts from the Jewish Bible. And uh, so I, I just wanted to clarify it today. Oh, isn't it great? God loves us. 
Thank you, Jesus. Well, dig in your pockets and get out your tithes and get out your love offering for the steeple. And we're going to take up the offering. The plate is for the steeple and the bags are for your tithes. And just think about how much you love Jesus when you write that check. <laughs> 